Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself, enjoy, and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond measure to learn more. Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. Because I love wine and I never have any, and because I don't like being on camera. But why is it necessary now? Because <laughs> I don't like being on camera. Is this a trick? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I just find it interesting. Um, no, I just wanted to like you know, like if I wasn't pregnant, I would have had a whole glass before you got here easily. <laughs> Oh, so this was a necessity. The, the wine was a necessity no matter what. No, it wasn't a necessity. I didn't think he he poured it because he knew I wanted it, but I was okay not having it. But once it's open, like, that's just got to happen. So you had a problem with public speaking? Um, I took a public speaking course when I was in high school all the way at Berkeley. I was, I'm from Texas, so that was a big deal. So I shouldn't is the answer. And I, and I was a, broadcast journalism major, but it's something about like, there's a difference between, you know, a live shot and you're talking to the camera and you're talking about whatever you're talking about than like this real life thing. And I have, I make funny faces on the accident. Like literally my face is slanted. You'll see it. I'm sorry, your face is- it's, It is, it is. Slanted? On camera, it's very noticeable that like, it just dips down because you know I can do that thing on one side but not on the other. Do any other side? I can't. I don't even remember what side's the right side right now. Let's try. try I can't do side. it when I'm laughing. Try it. I can't. Try it. <laughs> do the other side. I can't do the other side. I can't. Come on. No, I can't. <laughs> I'm hot. We haven't turned the air off. We forgot. We haven't turned the air off. Will you turn it off? The, the far right, there's only two little knobs, but on the right one, just put it in the middle. Yeah, uh, lower. Yep, right in the middle, yeah. All right, you gotta be careful with this arm, no for reals. Suffocating us both. It's so gonna get hot in here. You and I? No, you and your son. Me and oh. my son. Me and our son. So I'm suffocating myself and my son? What? That's what you said. You said you and your son? I can't with him. Why can't oh, you with no me? Sex, baby? It's a boy. Yay, congratulations. Thank you, sir. <laughs> How did we meet? Tommy and I. Um, we who, met. Who else will we be talking about? We met <laughs> at the Toronto Film Festival in 2013. It was lovely. It's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. We met at the Toronto Film Festival, and I was. Um, doing PR at the time. And the the client that I was working with had a lounge with the Hollywood Reporter magazine and filmmakers would come into the lounge. And uh, Tommy was one of those filmmakers. He had just premiered his film 1982 the night before he was in the lounge. And I had actually been late that day because I was working with another client. And um, I saw him and I was like, hmm, cute. And so I walked over to where my colleagues were talking with him and I just kind of, you know, stepped in. Hello. You know, I didn't actually say hello. I didn't say anything. I just was a part of doing my job and he paid me no attention. And then when he was done talking to my colleagues, he walked away over to the Hollywood Reporter area. So I said to my colleagues, uh, does he live in LA? And they said, yes. And I said, uh, is he interested in the equipment? 
And they said, yes. And I said, okay. And so I got my card and I walked over to where he was and I introduced myself saying that I work with Canon and if he's interested in trying the equipment back in LA to let me know. And he took my card and we talked a little bit about his film premiering and how well it did. And that was just it. He still wasn't like, you know, there just wasn't sparks flying the way I thought there would be. Um, and that was that. And so later that day, we saw each other a second time in the theater. Not, we weren't close to each other, was very far away. He waved, I waved, that was it. And that was like, first time was noon and then it was six and the last time was midnight. We were at a party. And I um, was done working for the day and I was trying to get a drink and ended up talking with someone who had said, you know, hey, you look familiar, are you such and such? And I was like, no, that's not me. And it turned out to be a filmmaker. So of course I'm like, oh, well, what are you shooting your next film on? And he's like, whatever they were shooting on. And I said, you should shoot on Canon. And he said, my producer doesn't like Canon. And I said, who's your producer? And he said, Tommy Oliver. And I said, I know Tommy Oliver, you should shoot on Canon. So as soon as I say that he walks in and I'm like, why did I even say that? I don't know him. I just met him today. This is weird. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he walks in and then um, we talk briefly. And this was the Monday of the festival. And I said, how long are you at the festival? And he said, we uh, leave on Saturday. And I said, okay, well, we leave Wednesday night, but we don't work on Wednesday if you wanted to like chat. And he said, are you hitting on me? <laughs> Which was awful and I was mortified. And I said, uh, I don't know. And then someone walks up right away and I'm like, Tommy, da -da -da -da, I need you to come over here. And he says to me, don't move. And I was like, okay, sure. As soon as he walks away, I'm out. And eventually he came over to the other part of the party where I was and we started talking. And that night we talked until three in the morning mm -hmm. and the next day till five in the morning. And then the next day was Wednesday and we went to lunch before uh, I flew out. And then, the following week, I got back to LA and we hung out that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And at that point I called five people and said, unless something goes terribly wrong, I'm marrying this woman. Five to six months later on my 30th birthday, I had a party at the rooftop of the Hotel Wilshire, proposed to her in front of 120 people, friends and family. She said yes. Cut to 11 months after that. We got married in Costa Rica. Cut to now. Here we are with child. With, with fetus. <laughs> in utero. In utero. <laughs> That's how we met. He was distracted when we first met because he just premiered his film. Because he may or may not have been seeing someone up to 24 hours prior to that. Uh, so at the time that we met, he was understandably distracted. But it did not take long before he was wooed. But there must have been something there that did not throw you. you said, <clears throat> let's try again. It was optimism, I guess. It was it was curiosity. It was, I know these charms typically work. What's going on? So, and, and I leave this out sometimes, but earlier in the day when he wasn't paying attention to me at the Hollywood Reporter Lounge, he did say, nice dress. And that had nothing to do with his movie or work or anything. And it was like, the dress was very basic. So obviously he's... Paying me this compliment that was like, that it was weird coming from a man. So he was paying me, he was giving me a little something. So I'm like, okay. I thought you were going to say the time where you actually did a little bit of cyber stalking in between. Oh, that happened too. <laughs> so, okay, yes. Um, why did I continue with, you know, this, this little crush that I had? Uh, earlier when we met, I, you know, I'd ask my colleagues, does he live in LA? You know, that's a check mark for me. I live in LA. Uh, the other part didn't matter whether he was understanding the equipment. But um, I knew that he, I had no interest in dating a filmmaker. And yes, yeah, so I Googled him and learned that he went to Carnegie Mellon and that he studied business. And I was like, oh, he's smart. 
So that that pushed him to the top of like the, my interest level for sure. It was just like, oh, this is like a well-rounded individual who's also very handsome. And uh, yeah, let's. Uh, I'll keep you know winking at him a little bit <laughs> until he figures out how to act. I'll do that. That's what happened. Thank you. The the idea of when I knew I was gonna marry you. It was probably some, somewhere between mm-hmm. dates two and three. Um, date one, we went to a wine bar. Date two, you came to meet me after the Icon Man event. Date three, we went uh, rock climbing mm-hmm. and then over to Mel's. And then date four, what did we do on Sunday? I feel like we went back. We went back to Mel's. We had brunch. Yeah, brunch was that Sunday. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I think I was pretty good by Saturday. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. You were like, I could marry her? Or were you like, I'm going to marry her? I said, provided that nothing goes terribly wrong. Like, you don't go crazy. You're not sort of hiding some terrible habits or whatever it may be that, yeah, I could absolutely marry. She's, is and was sweet. Smart, driven, uh, a good person, and obviously incredibly pretty, even though that's nice, wasn't sort of what it came down to. And it's just she was a good person and somebody who I could see spending a whole lot of time with. And, and we do. And we do. <laughs> it was just pretty damn obvious. It was like, actually, I know what I. But I actually thought at that point, and it, it was what? I don't know. I'm just like blushing because <laughs> I haven't. We haven't talked about this really. It, it was. Uh, it's. I can't see any better than this. It was like she's fantastic, and so it was like, why? Why am I gonna keep looking? Why am I gonna do anything? It's like, no, I'm. I'm good. And she's fantastic, and so it's like, let me not screw this up. Let me make this work. It's interesting because there were, all right. So we met that Monday in Toronto and uh, we talked all night, you know, and it's like just getting to know each other. And that's how it was that Monday, that Tuesday. And then even at lunch, we just, we had a good time together. And so I would say that the first thing that was interesting was um, that Wednesday before, before I left, we were talking and I was, uh, okay, I'll, I mean, I've said this to you before, but I really wasn't sure if to him in Toronto, he was like trying to like have a booty call. Didn't happen, but it was clear that he was okay if it did. <laughs> and so for me, I was trying to like make sure there was substance happening. And so I was, you know, asking honest, you know, tough, vulnerable questions. and. On that third day, I asked him, you know, what is, what do you want for your life? Like, what is your, uh, what, are, like, what is your goal? Is that what I said? Like, what is your goal outside of film? What are your goals? And he goes, really? And I said, yeah, really. And he said, um, I want to be the best dad ever, which to me, not to everyone, but to me was like, I mean, I was going to say panty dropper still didn't happen. But like, my point is when he said that it was like, you've just said exactly what I need to hear from a man. Like now I'm swooning, you know? And so that was probably the last conversation we had before I left. I mean, literally like probably got on the plane an hour later. So that was number one. A week later, when we did go on on our date, I, like I said, I was still trying to figure out what he really wanted. And so I told myself on that first date that I was going to just keep, trying to dig and ask questions and like really get to like who this person is and what he wants. And so it was kind of like good actually that he was like trying to get down because it made me, it like forced me to be like, let's try to stay in this area um, as opposed to going with the flow. So on our first date at the wine bar, I asked him what his like greatest fear was. And I was prepared to answer the question too. And for me, it was, you know, not having a family and having children. 
And so we talked about that and we talked about the fact that like we both grew up with like sort of disjointed families or like not the ideal family structure. And we wanted to create that for ourselves. That was important to us. And so like having that conversation on a first date with someone who's not like, girl, why are you asking me my personal business, you know, or with a man who's comfortable having that conversation was a big deal. And once we got that out of the way and I knew that we wanted the same things, everything else was like, do we like each other? Is he cool? Can we have fun together? Like, I felt really good about that. And so that was, you know, a week later. And then, like he said, we were together Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, he did very gentlemanly things. He opened doors. He asked me out on dates. He asked me out. We, we made plans for Thursday on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then on Wednesday, before our first real date, he asked me out for Friday. Like, you know, we he was clearly invested at that point and very sweet about it. And like I said, like he said, we went to my friend's house and hung out two days in a row. This is like a house full of women. They loved him. So it was like all the right, the formula was there. Um, and I knew that this could be it. When did I know that like it would be? <sighs> Still trying to figure that out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, when it just, it just, everything just felt organic. And so it was like, it was more like, why not? It was more like, okay, this is everything. No, listen, 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 listen. This is like everything that I want. It was a little scary to me that, you know, we got engaged after six months or like that that conversation was even happening. But obviously he will tell you that I talked about kids after like three. You did. But um, so it was more like I had my own little fears, but those fears came with their 29 years at the time of like history. It wasn't about him. It was just about me. And so it was like, this is everything that I've asked for, everything that I want. Uh, let's go. On his 30th birthday, we had a party. We had invited everybody we know. Friends and family came from like all over the country and the world, uh, which a lot of people were expecting this to happen, unbeknownst to me. Um, but yeah, so he, um, as soon as his cake came out, he uh, said to everyone, thanks for coming. You know, you guys are great. He said, I'm gonna make a wish and you'll probably find out the answer to it pretty soon. And he reaches in his back pocket and he pulls out the ring and he gets down on one knee and that's what happened. And I don't, it was all a blur after that. <laughs> in the video, it's gross. We just start kissing in front of everyone. Uh, but that's how it happened. <laughs> it's not that gross. She always it's that. So, it's so much kissy face. It's so much. You got the whole thing on video? Yes. Cell phone video. Multiple cell phone videos. That's true. Yeah. How was our first year of marriage? <sighs> oh, dramatic. Yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't tell you what we argued about, but we argued a lot. Argued? Yeah, we're, we've been married a year. Okay. <laughs> like, is it over? Yeah, we're a year and a half in. Um, yeah, we, 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 we argue a lot argued a lot we're better but i mean overall it's fun it's it's our relationship is interesting and like fascinating to me because we moved in together after like three months so we've and which was never weird we have never argued about space or um any of that stuff that happens with people like i just we just don't but he has a very strong personality and uh that doesn't always no. Yes, and that doesn't always work for me. And I'm really sensitive and that doesn't always work for me either. <laughs> but it doesn't always work for him. Um, and so, you know, we've bickered a lot, but I would say overall cool. So we lived together after three months. We worked together after like less than a year of knowing each other. Mm -hmm. Even before then, when I had a full-time job, we were still, you know, brainstorming together and I was reading everything and just taking a lot of time to support the work that he was doing. Um, but then when I finally quit my job and we started working like full-time together in the same house or on set or whatever, it's unique. It's a unique uh, situation. And so it's been that way pretty much the entire time that we've known each other. And then, and everything that we've done has been quick. So... I don't know. I feel like we haven't even had enough t 
time to reflect, but I feel like we get through our stuff and we, um, and some of getting through it is just me letting you do your thing and walk away. By, by that, I mean, it's like- <laughs> You walk away from nothing. Not true. Okay. Not true. I can give you two examples. Examples? That's examples. what you want to give me right now? Okay. If you want. I mean, I don't know. It seems like you brought it up, so you probably <laughs> don't leave the people waiting, well, you know? I have an opinion about everything. Everything. Every single thing. No matter what it is, I have an opinion. And mm -hmm. I had opinions about, about <gasps> the wedding and wedding planning. And we didn't fight about that because I walked away. No, unless it was a big thing, I said you just take care of it, because otherwise we're bickering. Or even the the this doc it was like there are plenty of times. What? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Where I literally just like you know the way I operate as a producer would be more hands on, but you get a little sensitive about stuff, and so I just don't. I think that's an interesting point to bring up because uh, we're, I would argue that we're still learning how to work together and be married people. So I don't, I understand what your point is, but I do think that there's times when I want to talk to my husband and not my producer or want to talk to my producer and not my husband. You don't make that point clear. Did you say something and you well, have the idea sure, sure. about I, communicating? But I, okay, and that right there, the, like, I feel like the approach to, but you don't do this, it, when he could say, well, why don't you tell me that? I feel like you, your approach to conversation and conflict resolution and your approach to life in general is a bit aggressive. Like, and so it puts people in general on the defense, first of all, like that whole, but you don't do, you know, it's like you're telling me what I don't do instead of, okay, how do I make this a positive moment. How do I? Okay, now we've seen well, we've seen where the well, moment. we've seen where the error is. Now I can we can figure out how to fix it. Cause I, okay, I mean because that's the way I try to interpret it. Year ago, I'd have been like, "Why are you saying it like that?" I know. But <laughs> right now, I can say, "Okay, that's a that's a good note." I can say. I mean, I probably will forget, but I'll say something awesome. and then go, hey, hey, I want to talk to my producer right now. So don't give me any bullshit, you know, like, or want to talk to my husband. So don't give me any bullshit. But the point is, now that I know that that's a better way to approach it, then I can approach it that way. But I don't like the way you said it. I think the first year was better for me than it was for her. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm not surprised that he said that because he has this like <laughs> he has this uh, feeling that like I mean look I think it's a partnership and so the whole better for me than it was for her is like do you care to or try to understand why I uh, feel the way I do, or what I'm feeling, or why I feel like. If you genuinely feel like I'm happy, all knows wrong with her, you know, then say something. Then I, say, I what can I do? Like, I, I don't I know. And we've had this conversation. Like I know why it was better for me than for you, and sort of in general why that tends to be the case. And I, I communicate exactly what I have an issue with or what I dislike, and. I know why things bother me and I'm able to articulate it very well. And I do. And I don't think you do that nearly as much. And so it's like, if something's bothering me, I talk about it. I make that point very clear that I don't like this or I didn't like the way this thing went down. And I know what I need to do to get over it. And as such, I tend to be very happy instead of taking things, internalizing them and sort of sitting with them and then letting them sort of fester in a way that uh, creates problems down the line. So, um, two things. If you know that I don't do that or don't do that well, I still feel like as, a, as my partner, 
like you can't you would say this if it were the other way around like you can't expect me to be you or you can't expect me to be better at something than i am and so yes it's my responsibility to like figure out how to articulate things that are bothering me and like do it in a timely manner or whatever but also i need for you to help me and i do and i try to and how do you do that? Oh, I don't really. I don't agree with the <laughs> statement. I'm just saying. I'm saying that I don't try to help you at all. Uh, I maybe I guess in that same aggressive way that you said, well, you said it like this. You know, well, you don't say this. I mean, I don't know how helpful that is. Okay. So tell me, you don't think you, um, you say you don't, what's it, what do you call it? You sandwich your... Your, um, your criticisms? You don't think you're supposed to sandwich it? No, he does not. Yeah, I, I hate the idea of sandwiching. I think it's, I think it's a bunch of bullshit. Okay, yeah, but you got to understand what you're, like, that sometimes the other person needs that. And I'm not saying that means you do it all the time, but understand that when you don't sandwich, then sometimes you're putting the other person off. But at the same time, like, the idea of sandwiching is like, here's, you know, some good things but there's this bad thing, but there's this good thing. And people tend to unfortunately miss the whole point of what's important because they focus on either the the other things instead of talking about what's actually at hand. And so for me, if something's wrong, I wouldn't know and I wouldn't deal with it. I wanna make sure that I understand that issue. And otherwise it's uh, to me, it's like, I don't know, I, I tend to be very direct and, and I know people aren't all like that. Um, and yeah. people don't all respond to it well. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be who you are. I'm just saying the more you're aware you are of how different everyone is, the better you're going to figure out how to communicate with people and get what you want out of them. And I, I speak a lot about like them and not just like us. I get that this is about our relationship, but it's because we work together. And so I have seen, I call pretty much everyone, not everyone he works with, like directors that he works with, his girlfriends, because there is such a like parallel to how he deals with me and how he deals with his directors. Um, and so I see, sometimes I'll see him talking with someone that is a working relationship and be like, he just said that like that. And that's how he's that's how he talks to me. And so I can see why that person is upset. I can see why that person But but what's true? What is the it that you're referring to? You're referring to. It's just like, why am I gonna sit there? It is true. That's why I'm saying it. Why am I gonna sit there and what I'm saying is I see the pattern though of the people that you're trying to get something out of, whether it's your what and I mean something out of meaning you're trying to get them to understand something, you're trying to get them to do something, you're trying to get them to whatever you know, to somehow enhance whatever their work is, right? It's the same way you deal with me. And it's the same way you deal with your uh, working partners, your professional partners. And I think that sometimes it will be more effective if you recognize that not everyone responds to things the same way that you do. Our relationship moving quickly meant that we didn't have everything figured out when we got married. And not to say that everyone does, but, I would say that that was a specific risk or like a specific like thing that was a real concern. But it was like, I I would say we both believed in who, what we knew the other person to be, what the type of person we knew the other person to be and our commitment to the family that we both want in 60 years. Like we're not just here for like, oh, our thirties will be fun because we're married. You know, like I think we both value uh, the fact, I mean, uh, you know where I'm going with this. So I hope you agree and nod or something. Whatever. I think we both value that we're building toward being you know 60 and watching our grandkids run around and so i felt like we're both committed to that and so i knew when we got married we were gonna have stuff to continue working out and so it was okay so that's an interesting point and i absolutely expect chorus to be together when we're 60 and it informed a lot of things for me which i probably somewhat unfairly sort of expected or wanted of her. And so the first year, there were a lot of things that 
to me were fairly trivial and not to minimalize uh, how they were received or perceived to to her. But to me, it wasn't that big of a deal. And it's just like, look, it's like, we need to just get over herself. And it was like, look, we're gonna be together forever. And at some point, we're gonna get to the point where we can deal with stuff and not let it bother us. And so why can't that day be today? And for me, I was like, I'm happy to just sort of get over it and be fine. But it wasn't the case with her. And so I had to sort of learn to, to deal with those things, learn how not to minimize one's feelings, even if I thought that it was minimal, <laughs> which is a hard and complicated thing to do. And it's a constant, it's constant work. I don't think that I love you, but I don't think that you like mastered that, if that's what you're saying. I didn't say that I did. Okay, I was just making sure. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think I get his point. We've had this conversation that like, hey, you're, we're gonna get over stuff eventually. We're gonna stick together. So just get over it now. I get the point of that. But at the same time, I think it's important that we are able to recognize uh, how each other thinks. What's important to him may not be important to me. What's important to me may not be important to him, but we respect it or treat it with some level of importance because the other person values it. Um, and so, you know, if I'm like very upset that you have moved my purse from this room to that room and you're like, there's no big deal. And I'm like, it is because it affects 17 things I was about to do. And I'm frustrated now. Like you, you can't just be like, Ugh. But, the, the problem becomes for me when it's everything and it's every little thing is the biggest thing. And it's just like. But it's not. It's like when when can we just pick our battles? When can we just sort of learn to be okay with small things because they are small in the grand scheme of things. And and so it's like that's where that's where I was. And so I was like, why in my head and sometimes out loud, which never goes well. Like, why can't you be there? Which we managed to get past, but it was just one of the things that we we dealt with in year one. I was gonna say which we're still working on, but you know, managed to get past whatever. Oh, we're much better off in that way. Sure, sure, sure. Communication is an interesting word because it encompasses so many things. I feel like we talk, that's not a problem. I feel, even though he says that like, I don't articulate how I feel, I do eventually. <laughs> that's part that's of that's part of the problem. Sure, sure, sure. But I also think that, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes the way in which he talks to me, which is a part of communication, is a problem. So, sure, I would say in communication was an issue for us, and probably will be for a while. But not in that we don't. I don't think we hold back anything deep that we need to like get through or, or talk through or, you know, but I do think that the way in which we speak to each other could still use work and, and probably, you know, many other things. And we, we had an interesting conversation with a couple who runs a program for other couples called the Couples Academy. And, you know, they broke down all the various forms of communication, your facial expressions, your tone, not just the things that you say, your body language, all of that is your communication. And so, especially in relationships, when people are like, communication is key. It's interesting once you realize all of those various elements, because I would say we're great at like, you know, I'm honest with you and I talk to you and I'm not afraid to say certain things to you but we're not so great when it comes to uh, tone. Well, makes me think of two things. One, like you are terrible at sort of faces sometimes. And I was like, you might not say something, but your face is everything. And then you get mad when I say something about your face and you sort of pretend or get defensive as in, as if you didn't do anything. And it's just like, no, I just, I just saw your reaction. It was like, it was very clear, sure. it was all there. And the other thing that's very difficult, the point that you made earlier, was how you may communicate or articulate, but you articulate it later. And so at the point that we're talking about something, it's you're sort of talking around whatever the real issue is. Not that you're not trying to communicate, but you haven't figured out sort of internally what that issue is or why it bothers you or how to articulate that. 
And so we're not actually talking about the thing at hand collectively. So like I may be, I may be able to talk about at that point what's bothering me, but you're talking about something else. And so we wind up sort of banging our head against the wall because we're not actually talking about the real issue. And it winds up in an argument or something that continues for longer than it needs to and oftentimes isn't actually resolved until you get to that point of clarity. I've learned probably more about myself as it relates to him than I have new things about him since we got married. Because, uh, I, you know, I would say I knew some of this, but it's been enhanced with our day-to-day -day life over almost three years now. But um, for instance, one of the things that I loved and always like stated to people was one of my favorite things was like, he challenges me. He makes me step outside my comfort zone. When he mentioned that we went rock climbing, <laughs> on our third date, I was crying. Like it was just terrifying to me, right? And I was like, oh, this is great that he's like made me do this thing that's different and scary. And, but I'm crying, like, I'm afraid. Um, so I kind think that's like, good to challenge oneself. Kind of a metaphor for, you know, life moving forward. Yeah, no. And so my point is sometimes I hate him for it. You know, but it, it, it's one of the things that I grasped onto when we first met. And so I have learned more about myself in terms of the fact that, like, I appreciate that, but I don't always want to partake in whatever, whatever thing he wants me to do that's outside of my comfort zone. I can't think of anything I've learned about you since being married. I, I'm still observing because I don't find him to be the most, he's not a feelings person. Like he loves me, that's a feeling, the feeling of love. But like he doesn't deeply internalize life the way that I do. And so I'm, I mean that when I ask you like, how do you feel about this? Or what do you think about this? You're just like, I'm shortening, but like it is what it is. Whatever it is, it is what it is. Can't change it. Can't go back. Can't fix it. I mean, you know, if it's out of his control, if it's in his control, he fixes anything. But if, you know, everything else is just like, and I guess I've learned how firm in that you are. Cause I wouldn't say it was like shockingly different when we were dating, but now sometimes I'm like, seriously, you don't have any feelings? Any little, do you want to cry? Nothing, got nothing. Um, and I'm a sensitive, emotional person and I want to see him cry sometimes. <laughs> um, so I guess I learned how firm in that he is. And, you know, I have to get used to the idea that if he's going to break, <laughs> uh, it'll happen. And if he's not going to, it won't. Don't hold your breath. Exactly. What if that never happens? What if he never breaks? What if that's just inherently who he is? And is that a bad thing that he it's, doesn't? So, so, so it's not a bad break? thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's a thing that I find interesting and unique. Um, Why does it bother you so much that he doesn't emote as much as you do? Or not as much as. Intensely as you. Because I feel like that's a place where I'm comfortable. It's something I'm good at. Dealing with people's emotions. And he doesn't let me thrive in that area. It's not that I don't let you. That, like, can you that, that, cry when I give birth? I don't need that emotional support in the way that I guess you would like to. I guess the truth is I'm probably skeptical of what he just said. And I feel like at some point, at some point, I, I, this is, and this is like, we're, we're in this, you know, this is just, I do feel like, or worry or wonder if he pushes things down and isn't dealing with them. Which is not the case. And so yeah, I mean, no. There, there's not, there's not one piece of evidence or one thing that's sort of come up where it's like, oh yeah, that thing from that time, and how it came back and reared his head in a nasty way. It's like, no, it's like for me, sort of see the point earlier, things that are out of my control, I don't think about one iota. They don't bother me. I don't 
I'm not consumed by them in any way. And those things that are in my control, then I put everything into it in order to do my part. And then once that's the case, then cool. And so just like, I don't, I'm not burying shit that's gonna explode. I'm not repressing stuff. And it's, um, no, I think it's weird where it's like, there's zero evidence to sort of support the idea that it's not the way that it appears. Yet there's still a, a fear that's seemingly somewhat it's not a fear at all, or an irrational thought regarding it. And it's just like that manifests itself in ways where, like, you expect or want or are waiting for, and it manifests in behavior and thoughts in terms of how you interact in ways that aren't positive because like it's not gonna it's not gonna happen it's like you know me very you know me better than any person on this planet and it's a, a fear that sort of disassociated with me the person and more so with what i know of human beings correct mm-hmm. and not beneficial it's i don't actually find it to be something that's like holding us back or like changing our dynamic as much as i'm just like hmm it manifests itself in ways that you don't quite realize okay i learned that you are sensitive extra sensitive sometimes um and i gotta figure out how to deal with that sometimes learn that uh, I love you, but you can be a little irrational sometimes. But <laughs> and that's very difficult for me, particularly when you don't uh, realize that you're being irrational. I love you though. <laughs> um, looking at me like you want to choke me. <laughs> what have I learned about myself? Uh, I learned that I can't wait for us to be parents. I'm very much looking forward to, to that. It'll be a lot of fun and exciting. Mm, what? Mm, I learned that It's a, it's very hard for me to deal with things when uh, in any way, but what seems to be the logical approach. And, and for me, it's sort of like, that's kind of the only way that I see or think, you know, it's very much, uh, sort of a math and science oriented person and that's how I see the world. Logic dictates. At all times. And, but I mean, like for me, my default response is the rational one. It's not the emotional one. Right. And my default response followed by second, third, fourth, fifth are also rational. And so pretty much at no point you're welcome to chime in if you have thoughts or disagree. Is my decision or reaction colored by emotion? And that can create problems on both sides. Uh, and so we just learn to, to deal with that and through that. Um, and one thing that's important that I'm still trying to figure out and trying to learn is uh, when to shut up. And it's a, it's an important thing, which I'm not the best at, I'm sorry. You know, just like, you, know, you can say everything. Mm-hmm. Even if you're right, sometimes, especially when you're right. <laughs> you don't need to say everything when I'm right? No, when I'm right. Oh, yeah, I was like, you don't think I'm right ever, so. Except for when you are. 
and then you will say nothing. No. That's when you shut up. That's not true. But you tend to forget those times when I point out that, oh, you're right. Hi, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. My approach to uh, parenting, uh, I've always known, as has he, that I wanted to be a mother and him a father, um, but a parent. You want to be a mother? Mm -hmm, Correct. and so I, to me, I've always been gathering lessons from wherever I could get them, from people I know, from books, from movies. Um, and sometimes those lessons are things I want to do. And sometimes those lessons are things that I like do not want to do at all. I concur. Um, and so, you know, when it's, when it, now that it's real, you know, I would say I, I do that even more so. And so, but, but I think my approach is still, I can't speak for you. My approach is still, I've got all these lessons in my head and I got all these, you know, places, books and whatever, but, um, our baby's going to be who he is. And the experience of raising him is going to be what it is. He may be like the most chill, quiet, calm, cool baby. And I'm over here learning how to discipline a child who doesn't, ever act up i mean or the other way around right he could be like a terror and we're over here like we'll never spank you know and then we suddenly we're like uh he needs a big old whooping so uh, what i feel is that we certainly are active learners Uh, he would say that in life in general i'm saying that specifically um regarding parenting this upcoming life change and but I try to keep in mind how in no control, like I'm not in control. I'm, I, I don't know what to expect from any part of this process. This, the, from the birth through the first year to the, you know, little thing from feeding to teaching him to walk, teaching or waiting for him to walk to, you know, don't know what to expect from any of it. And you have to roll with it. I try not to overthink and over discuss because we don't know what uh, our child will be like. And we don't have, I mean, there's probably big things that you're supposed to talk about, but we haven't talked I haven't even approached, hey, do you want to spank? Maybe we've had a casual conversation about it, but to me, I'm like, we gonna see how this child behaves and what he responds to. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think we're on the same page about a lot of things but we both recognize that like we gotta take it as it comes and make decisions at that time i believe that um you can you know it's funny i probably used to have like a really clear answer to that question um do I, I don't believe that there is one person in the world for each of us. I do not believe in that. And I think a lot of people's definition of soulmates is like the one person that completes you or that you are supposed to be with. Personally, I've always felt like the world is just too big for that. You know, it's like if I'd end, if I moved to, you know, uh, Costa Rica and after college, like I talked about with my friend and been a teacher, this may not have happened. And I have to believe that that part of that course of my life would be fine. So I do believe that there are probably multiple soulmates in this world for us. Um, and, uh, but definitely that there's not one. Um, and that we find someone that we, that we gravitate toward that we're bonded with in love and and um, and choose to make the commitment. Uh-huh. <laughs> I absolutely believe in one soulmate. Really? No. I didn't know that. Oh, it's like, <laughs> newsflash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so no. Mm. Okay. That's the end. I don't <laughs> believe there is one person. You don't believe there's one person for each of us. Nope, I love you very much and don't want anybody <laughs> else. Okay. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Do you believe divorce is an option? Uh, not really. I mean, not not really with the exception of extremes. And and so I, uh, I think of, I think I told you this before, Keith told me a story about his parents who I know one of my best friends and his parents have been married for 40 years or so and 
all of his friends that he grew up with, their parents are all divorced. And he's certain that his parents have been less happy than the the friends who his parents got divorced at times, yet they're still together. And the simple reason they're still together is that they made a commitment to staying together. So even though they were not happy at all, and couples that got divorced were better off than when they got divorced, they stood their ground and stood uh, with their commitment and right. got through it and are very happy. And so I have no interest in divorce and I have no interest in not getting through stuff. Um, that doesn't mean there aren't things that uh, you know, would be deal breakers um, or wouldn't be deal breakers. Uh, but for the most part, no, like we're, we're in this, like, I'm not going anywhere or we're going to, we're going to figure this shit out. And you know, like some people say it's like, <clears throat> and I have good years and bad years, which is sort of crazy to think about like the idea of a bad year, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you're married 40 years, well, you know, it's one fortieth, or, you know, maybe you got a couple of them in there, but it's. Uh, it's an important thing. So for me, I am committed to the commitment. Um, agreed. I mean, my longer description is uh, that I believe that divorce is an option, but I believe I believe that um, I, I like that belief, that perspective, because it means that every day we're choosing to be together. To me, to say. I mean, granted, it's different for every couple, but like to me to say, well, divorce is not an option. I, I ain't going nowhere, so you need to figure it out. You know, is like forcing him to be somewhere or forcing me to be somewhere. And in actuality, I prefer to, to feel like no matter what comes, we both want to be together and we're both going to commit to that and make that effort every single day because we know that we don't have to. Um, we're not bound by anything other than our desire to make it work. So I take it back. You got to earn me tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. What? <laughs> or you're going to divorce me? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, it's got to, from what you said, it's got to be a commitment. But it is a commitment. You don't, you don't wake up every day and like choose to be here. And maybe you don't make a conscious choice because we haven't gone through anything that required you to be like, do I want to do, you know, but whatever. Um, but I think that's important to, to know and to feel like we're both making that choice every day. And then there will be times when you have, we have a bad year where that choice is a lot harder, but to get through that year and know that's because you wanted to, not because you felt like we don't want to break up the family or we don't want to disappoint our parents or we don't want, you know, whatever, like you chose to get through that year because you wanted to be with me, to me is much more meaningful to me than, well, I just don't believe divorce is an option. I'm of the belief, and this is to me still a scary truth, but a truth nonetheless, that like in marriage, you don't know how you will change. You don't know, or how your partner will change. You don't know how outside elements will change you. And I don't mean other people solely. I'm not saying this is not about like, if someone flirts with me and we're having a bad year, I might cheat on you and I need that to be okay. Like, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that people individually and couples go through things in life and sometimes exercise bad judgment or are depressed and thus withdraw. And, the, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a person who feels, and this is part of the emotional and the logical, right? I'm a person who just feels like life throws you a lot of shit and sometimes you don't always behave at your best. And those things have consequences. I don't disagree that they do. I think it just sort of saddens me that it's an automatic for you. It is like there's, and, and it's very simple. And we sort of talked about this where it's just like, I could never not think about it. I could never get over it. I could never. Yeah, we talked about it. And so it's just like, 
there's zero chance. It's like, yeah. it's automatic, binary. Like, there's absolutely nothing that would change that decision as much as it would hurt, as much as it would be sad, as much as it would be a giant wrench in what my life should have, could have, whatever. And that fascinates me that you would give up all of those things that you just no, mentioned. You, you would have given I, up. I get what you're saying, but it's like the, that if you, it if would you, be if so you, much. If you know that, that, that that's the case, like for sure that's the case. And then through bad judgment, through circumstance or whatever, then that choice was yours, not mine. Okay. The rigid person, the sensitive person. I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that said, if he cheated on me, it's not a deal breaker. Doesn't mean I wouldn't leave him. Doesn't mean I automatically will. Just that's my reality. That brings me to a thought that I have, and I want to figure out how to word it, but I, you know, and I've alluded to this with talking about, you know, sort of his, his rigidity, I think is the appropriate word, but rigidness seems like more real. Um, but nevertheless, he's a very rigid person and he's also not an emotional person. And I have a real fear or, uh, I guess fear. I have a real fear that like you would not be able to be a supportive person if I have, I don't know, an emotional, I don't know if, if I'm not rational. Yeah. Like you have a thing against you have, like, you do not understand irrationality. You can't even take it and go, she's being irrational. I don't get it, but I'm gonna let her do that. You can't do, you have to be like, this is why and how you should become rational. Like, and that concerns me a bit. Like, you know, specifically um, the thought of postpartum depression. I mean, we haven't talked about it, but like, it's a possibility. And I, part of me is like, it's real. And I gotta be open to like how these, the, the, how our lives are changing and how these things that you can't control affect you. But I genuinely feel like if that happened, Tommy would not know what to do with me. Like I would be like depressed and he would be like, what is wrong with you? You know, and that, you know, it, it, it's, it concerns me, you know, if something tough really came our way, I respond emotionally and I don't know that you could, uh, I don't know how you would handle me. I have two thoughts. First, part of my issue with when, and, and this is this is an issue which is sort of doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, he has an issue that doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm excited. Well, you'll understand what I mean. You might not okay. like it as much at that point. <laughs> okay, carry on. Um, if you're being irrational, and I know you're being irrational, Part of like what I would need is sort of like, if you at least acknowledge that you are potentially being irrational, then I'm okay with whatever the hell I have to do. And so, but that's when I said, it's not gonna make a lot of sense because it's like, if you're irrational, you don't quite know you're irrational. Correct. And so Correct. how are you gonna say as that? Well as well But also it's like, even if it's just like, if you did it just for me so you could get support, which uh, again, it doesn't make any sense, you. but it's just like, if you, the, the idea of acknowledging that you know you could be operating irrationally or you could be sort of operating in a way that doesn't make sense then for me that would sort of erase everything and i wouldn't care but it's just the but, idea but, of if we're talking about something and you're sort of trying to make an argument logically but okay. your logic is faulty let me stop just, you this is i am not talking about know, my understanding of irrational i know I'm, and I'm, I'm getting to this okay part. that is not even a concept this is like i know i know i know um but getting to that specifically, so the idea of uh, if the idea of postpartum depression specifically, we both know is a possibility. Mm -hmm. We both know what happens and uh, with women post-pregnancy. Um, and so I think part of, for me, would be sort of realizing that 
that's the case and so it's like you know me it's like i'm pretty much always in a good mood i'm pretty much always positive and so it's just like i, I don't like sour people or bad attitudes or whatever it may be and not that that's what postpartum depression is because it's right. an actual clinical thing but the way it feels the way it manifests and uh day-to-day life is kind of that and so i think the second i was either told or realized that it wasn't just sort of the blues or just bad attitude then it would be completely different so that goes that it would be different to you because it has a name or because someone told you oh this is what that is i'm so i'm using postpartum depression as an example but you know dealing with life over the next 60 years you know that's what i'm that's where i feel like it's not a Everybody and responds to fear, things where it's like, differently. For me, it's like, I, whatever it is, is like, I'll, I'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. It'll be fine. No, no matter what it is, it could be. You depend so heavily on me saying, Tommy, this is my problem. This is why I'm upset. You know, you said that here. And, and A, I mean, that's not necessarily my strength, but let's, let's say that there are times in life where that becomes really complicated and really hard to do. And I, you know, or, or I'm sorry, that you, I don't know. But it's, it's not that I depend on you to say that, but the problem that we sometimes get is if I call it out as something and then you sort of fight me on it and then we're left in this space. Sometimes that happens too. Oftentimes. People, you know, I, I don't know. So my point is just that I, um, I, I don't have all the answers and sometimes I, I do. I think that as life comes at us, I don't know. I, I so the, the, want the to know and believe that like you're going to be able to approach me from a supportive, desiring to understand me type place. So I have a story to tell you. Okay. You may have, I may have said this a month before. So I was doing an interview with uh, a French reporter and the reporter asked me if I could live in any movie, what would it be? Kind of an odd question. Never really thought about it. Didn't really have an answer at all in mind. And I just said the first thing that came to mind. And the first thing that came to mind was what drinks me call. And so it's a really sort of weird answer for anybody who's seen <laughs> what dreams may call. It is a very weird answer if you know Tommy and have <laughs> listened to anything he said for the past hour. And he wants to be in a movie where... I'll explain it. Okay. So, in this movie, the, there's a couple who lose both of their kids, which is terrible. And then the husband winds up dying in a car crash where he got out of the car to help somebody and winds up himself the victim of another car. Um, and then the wife commits suicide. And this is the movie that popped into my head as the movie that... <laughs> The, the, the world in which I would want to live in. But what continues is the movie, uh, the rest of the movie takes place in the afterlife. And it's the, the journey of Robin Williams to find his wife. And in the, in the story- Robin if, Williams, who's in heaven. Correct. And in the story, if somebody commits suicide, they wind up essentially in purgatory. And he winds up, in heaven, reunites with his kids, and he's there with his kids, who he hasn't seen in, in quite a long time. And it's all great, but he's got to find the mother. And they go on this whole journey, and she winds up basically being in in hell, and like literally in, in hell and crazy. And he he goes there, and he tries to... He leaves heaven leaves to heaven, go to hell to get his to wife. Hell to get his wife. To, to try to bring her back, to try to both find her and then bring her back to to real life, to, to the world, to their family, to their kids. To heaven, right? Yeah. Not to, they can't but go not, back not, not, to not real to life. to real life, but to life at that point. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he can't. He's unable to get her to sort of see reality. He's unable to get her to see 
where she is and he makes the decision to stay with her, to not go back to his kids, to literally stay in hell with his wife because that is how much he loved her. That's how much he was willing to, to give up, give up being with his kids who he had lost and who, which destroyed him. And him staying there is the thing that ultimately winds up leading to her being able to get out of this, this hell, this purgatory. And eventually they wind up sort of, you know, in the movie, choosing to be reborn and they meet again as kids and it's super cute. But the, the thing that I sort of held on to, the thing that I remembered was that this man was literally willing to go to hell and remain in hell to be with his wife. And so while I may be devoid of emotion at time, um, I will be there for you. Like I really will. And I, I'm not gonna let you go through stuff by yourself at all. And it may not make sense to me, but I'm, I'm gonna make sure that I'm there. Like I, I, I would go to purgatory <laughs> in hell. And so it's just, um, you know, it's true. Okay. I love you. I love you too. <laughs>